Before we begin, a reminder that nothing on this podcast is intended as a statement of faith, doctrine, or fellowship, and this podcast is not affiliated with any church, school, or calling body. What's up, gents? My name is Charlie Ungemach, and you are listening to an episode of the Gird Up Broadcast. Now, the dudes are going to join me in just a minute, and we got a lot of great content coming your way. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you to all those who help support the Gird Up Project here. All of our content at Gird Up is available free to anyone anywhere in the world who might benefit from our message, and we want to keep it that way. But we also have to rely then upon the contributions of our listeners to do so. You'll never see any paywalls or exclusive content here at Gird Up. That being said, it does cost us money to put a show like this together. So if you find what we're doing here valuable and you enjoy the broadcast and you're willing and able to do so, please go to www.girdupministries.com, click on the menu, and select Buy Us a Cup of Coffee. That $5 donation goes a long way towards keeping this podcast going and helps us reach and minister to many more men just like you. Hope you enjoy the broadcast today. Let's get to it. Yeah, no, so like, white, like, like athletic socks, like Nikes, yeah, like Xander wears. I hate the fact that that Ezra he, Ezra actually looks good with the white tube socks on. Yeah. I hate to admit it, but the guy actually can pull off white tube socks with. Yeah, loafers. but I hate the shoes that he wears. Oh, I hate the shoes that he wears. <laughs> the, the boots. I don't know like what the they are. Martins? Those like they're like black suede looking things, and oh, it, yeah, he loafers. looks like he looks like a pilgrim, like a straight up pilgrim. pilgrim? We need to get what? Calvin to get on. The pilgrims that shit. wore suede loafers. I don't know if they did or not, but every time I see him, that's what I think of as a pilgrim. <laughs> well, on that note, this is the Gird Up Broadcast. My name is Charlie Ungemach. As always, we've got Connor Herter, Bryce Guzzi, and our special guest today, very very special guest. <laughs> Seth Hackbarth. Yeah. All right, Seth. First, you got to tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Seth Hackbarth? So I'm from Lake Mills, Wisconsin. I've been there my whole life. My parents are Todd and Donna, who uh, my dad teaches at Lakeside Lutheran High School as a pre-calc teacher, doctrine, and he also uh, teaches videography. My mom teaches preschool at St. Paul in Lake Mills. Um and then I went to Lakeside for high school and MLC for college. And now I'm here at the SEM with you guys. So, Fun fact. You ready for this? This is about to be the most Wells five minutes ever. Okay. Fun okay. fact. Not only did Seth's dad and my dad serve together at the same school or church slash school for just a little while, not very long, before Seth was born, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but if you go back like six or seven generations, we're related. Yeah, but you have yeah. to go back. Ah, it might not be six generations. It'd be my yeah. So my grandpa's cousins and your yeah. So that'd be like three or four generations. Uh, so that explains which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's totally it. random. Doesn't really matter, but it is kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. You can see the relation in the face. So if like <laughs> back in <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, just a full beard and then nothing. So there's a Whoa. few. You see the facial hair coming in. What? Hey, he's got. If you weren't so blonde, it would look better than half the dudes that are trying to grow yeah, facial hair. The problem is, it's too blonde. Yeah, but somewhere there's a bunch of pictures of Seth's older siblings, um, and then me and my sisters all at the Milwaukee County Zoo together. 
I don't remember why we were all at the zoo together, but yeah, just kind of cool. Yeah. Anyway, just a family connection. Um, <laughs> Seth, you are, you said, a junior at the seminary with us. Mm-hmm. Um, give us just a little like look into life right now as a seminary student. So uh, I'm uh, working for MLC as an admissions guy. Uh, close to all the area Lutheran high schools in Wisconsin, which is pretty cool because there's mission guys at MLC. So it's a little different that we get to be closer and get to go to more events for all the different high schoolers. And it seems like they've been really receptive with us. I'm also engaged. I have a fiance. Hey, so uh, that's, a, that's a good portion of my day, which <laughs> is great. And then school obviously is is a big part of the day as well. Yeah, yeah. And I will say you knocked it out of the park uh, on the relationship side of things, brother. You find yourself a good one. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm dating up, so <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. Her family's awesome. That's cool. Um, MLC for anybody that doesn't know is Martin Luther College. That's where we all graduated from. Seth, were you? Um, were you working for MLC before you got up here at the seminary? I did admissions my freshman year at MLC, and then I kind of did my own thing. I worked at the Butter Factory in New Ulm and Turner Hall there. So, yeah, yeah, but I didn't work with MLC until my junior year here. So sweet. Awesome. All right, we got uh, thank yous and shout outs this week. Well, welcome, Seth. Thanks for being on the show. I know. See, I, I don't. It's probably gets redundant to just be thanking you guys all the time, but particularly Bryce and Connor. I know what kind of a, I mean, it's not like a, a life changing commitment, but it is a big commitment to keep doing this every week. So thank you, you guys, for your, your commitment and dedicating the time to do it's this. Fun. Oh, it's very fun. I yeah, this is like the highlight of my week every week. I was <laughs> earlier earlier in the day today. I was not necessarily looking forward to this, but now that we're actually sitting in here doing it, man, it just it yeah. I love I love getting to do this together. So thanks for thanks for being a part of that. Uh, thank yous and shout outs. I'll lead it off this week. I got a shout out. There's no corrections from last week, first of hey. all, which is very exciting because we had two last week and they were both me and they were both pretty obvious. So <laughs> <laughs> we're doing better this week. Um, shout out once again. We got a whole bunch of guys in Nigeria apparently listening to the podcast. So shout out to our listeners in Nigeria and a bunch in Europe too, which is kind of fun. Um, and uh, Bonface Marunmo um, over in Kenya, um, listening as well. They've got a little house church going on, which is that's fun to think yeah, about too. It is. Um, anyway, my shout out this week is going to my mother because she took over my social media um, over the weekend. So I am no longer the one running my Instagram account. My mom is, uh, which is I it, I didn't realize how much I used social media until I didn't have it. I always thought I was pretty moderate about it. Apparently, I was not, man. So I, I really, I literally feel like I have two plus extra hours every day than I did before. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I still have YouTube and things like that, but it's nice to be able to offload that. Um, and she's gonna hopefully make it a little more exciting than it is because I haven't had any time to really do anything with it either. But that does mean, hopefully, we're gonna get some um, improvements to the website. Some sometime soon here too so sure yeah we'll see be sweet what else we got uh as far as my thank you for this week i think i'm going to send out a huge thank you to my new employer uh mcnab and risley which is a furniture company here in thienesville uh and i just started earlier this week uh primarily just moving furniture into people's houses 
very laid back, very cool people, appreciate the job, appreciate the opportunity to learn something completely new and uh, make a little bit of money to help pay bills and all that. So thank you to the, to you guys. Yeah, that's very, you, you're enjoying it so far though? Yeah, honestly, it's, it's the, it's, it's not that bad. Just the majority of the time is spent sitting in the truck driving from place to place. And so that eats up time and I can sit there and read a book for this podcast or I can dink around on my phone while we're driving along. (laughs) So I definitely could spend my time a little bit wiser and it's kind of nice to do something physical and get moving a little bit. And I don't know, I I appreciate moving furniture and it's something I've been doing when you're the big guy in the family, like everyone has you moving their furniture. So it's not something I'm unfamiliar with. I almost got a bumper sticker once that said, yes, it's my truck. No, I won't help you move. <laughs> but I, I just felt like a jerk putting it on yeah, the back of my yeah. truck, so I never actually bought it. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. Glad you like the new job, brother. Bryce, what you got? Oh, oh. or Seth. Fight. <clears throat> Fight. Well, Fight. my thank you would go out to Bryce Guzzi and Joel Shaywee as roommates here at the SEM. They've helped me get through all the hard times with the uh, amount of homework that we have and then of course i got a shout out to fiance the new fiance chloe maddock the way he says that That she said (laughs) yes i love that you just like want so a lot of dudes when they come on here they're like oh yeah i also got engagement you're just so happy i love it man she's awesome so there's there's Dude, Only just, be excited for that. You so. should see the smile on his face. I love it. It's making me happy. I mean, I was already happy for you. <laughs> Thanks. Man, love it. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, were you struggling to keep up with the homework at first? Or? Oh, yeah. It was, a, it was a big load of homework that they kept giving us and struggled because it was a bunch of new stuff and everything like that. So just kind of getting used to the new atmosphere and everything like that was a big yeah. part of it. And then just getting into the homework and the swing of things and finding a routine was was a very big thing. And I think I finally found that routine. So it's been good. It's a lot less stressful then. So, yeah. Sweet. Good. Awesome. Bryce, what you got? Well, now I feel obligated that I have to thank and shout out my roommate, Seth Hackbarth. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> And Joel Shaywee, too. They are they're truly amazing. We have a good section, good thing going on there. But on the real, though, <clears throat> my original shout-out goes to Sam Engel, who is a classmate of ours. And after weeks and weeks of pleading him to go fishing with me, we are finally going on Saturday. Ooh. What are you and, guys going fishing for? Um, well, we're going to start off in at one of the marinas in Milwaukee, see if we can't catch a few salmon that are late running up the rivers and then probably move inland to a couple park ponds and just sort of see what happens. Fish around a little bit. Yep. Awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, Sam is our class angler, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> see what happens. For sure. They catch a lot of fish around you, like more than I would expect. Maybe I should expect more. I don't know, but... It's awesome. And yeah. I love it. Yeah. Grandpa took the boat out of the water last week or two weeks ago the pier's oh, out now no. too so yeah but don't worry come uh probably late april early may we'll it'll be back in the water so sure. we'll make sure we do some more we fishing. have to get down there at some point oh yeah i absolutely. know we talked about doing it but we absolutely yeah. yeah it turned out to be a really busy fall <laughs> oh yeah so all right uh manly oh before we do that we got a shout out lee from sturgeon bay wisconsin lee uh gave us several cups of coffee this week so thank you lee for buying us a couple of cups of coffee we call it a cup of coffee donation because for the price of a cup of coffee you can help support the ministry we're doing here with young men 
If you'd like to support or help fund the work we do here at Gird Up, go to www.girdup.com, select buy us a cup of coffee in the main menu, and make your donation there. I just read that entire thing without a single mistake. I'm proud of you. Nice. I know. That's exciting. I did pick a nice short quote this week just so I wouldn't have to read a long one. So <laughs> Here we go. John Shedd once said, A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. What do you think, gentlemen? Is he talking about boats? No. Short <laughs> short answer. <laughs> All right, say more, Seth. Uh, well, I don't know if this is taking it in no way that he doesn't want it to, but... We're not... This isn't exegesis. You can take it wherever yeah, you yeah, want okay, to go. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking of more of a Christian standpoint, uh, not holding it to yourself, but... Uh, uh, Christianity and the word is meant to be spread, so you don't want to just harbor it for yourself, but to be a light for others and share it with everyone that you see. So let the lion of Judah loose. Yeah. Don't go be a lion. I yeah. like it. I took this in a different direction. I took it uh, in particular, and uh, from the standpoint of what it means to be a man. So you can be a biological male and live a very comfortable, cushy life where you never experience any hardship in your life. But men, by design, especially after going through our Genesis translations, are meant to struggle and are meant to work. So the best thing you can do as a man is to go out and seek struggle. And I think as people who are preparing for what we're preparing for, we struggle every single day. And it's making us sharper and it's making us tougher to what the world is going to throw at us. And so as a man the best thing you can do is throw yourself in difficult situations. You said, you talked about noticing that in Genesis. You want to say more about that? Sure, yeah. When we were just talking about uh, the first the first four chapters of Genesis kind of goes through, well, the first three really, but the first four chapters, we'll say, really goes through God's creation of the world, and then you have creation of man and woman. And then when man and woman commit the first sin and fall away from the perfection that God expects... God curses man and says that he's going to labor all of his days and that by the sweat of his brow he would eat. And so that's where I kind of took it initially is this idea that man is just cursed by God to struggle and toil, but there would be something that would come out of it in the end. You would benefit from it in the end. Yeah. So the curse is also a blessing. Yeah, for sure. The curse of work is also the blessing of work. Mm -hmm. I love it. Sweet. Anybody else want to add to that? Anything? Well, I kind of go a different direction. Okay. Yeah. Well, any, before that, anybody yeah. else want to comment at all on the Genesis idea? I love that. I didn't think about either of those two. Like either the application of letting the gospel out, right, or the application of the the Genesis idea. Um, I I would love to spend more time thinking about the idea that the work is a benefit. Right. Well, well, I just know for myself personally, like the few times in my life where I've been in between jobs or something like that, and I've had a week off where I'm not in school or I'm not at a job or something like that, those are the times where depression hits the hardest, where I just feel absolutely useless. Like, there, I think there's just something built into us, and I think it goes back to the Genesis passage where man is just meant to work, and it's supposed to be difficult, but it's a good thing because it makes you harder, it makes you sharper it prepares you for any other adversities that might come your way in life 
Yeah, and there's a joy in work too. Oh, like yeah. your body rejoices in work. Mm-hmm. And you guys, were, you two, uh, Seth and Bryce, you guys were talking about how much you enjoyed the workout you had the other day. You said a good hard workout, yeah. but I can't help but think about like the what uh, the times when I've been working manual labor in particular, yep, yep. where you think going in on Monday you're gonna be miserable, but when you get out there and maybe not the first half an hour, right? Yeah. <laughs> but once you get limbered up a little bit and you're moving a little bit, or even like a tough practice. Um, going through a a week when you're preparing for a game or whatever it is. Once you get moving and you're there's a joy in that work, and I don't can't think of a better way to say it, but your body starts to rejoice in that work. Like yeah. this is what I'm made for. And the same thing with homework. Saturdays are sometimes my worst days of the week because I'm do- I'm not yeah. working towards a goal. Now I need the days off, mm-hmm. and I hate Sunday afternoon because I got to get back to yeah, work. Right, but. So a lot of times, Saturday is a day where either I'm getting myself into trouble or the day where I just feel lost because I don't have that thing I'm pressing toward. Do you guys relate to that at all? For sure, with the manual labor type jobs for myself, like just going through the effort all day and working, and then I can tell you like, I never sleep better at the end of the night. I never feel like I deserve the sleep better. Then after I've put in a solid day's work and then you get to lay down at that pillow and you're just like, I did everything I could today and I'm, I'm done. I'll try again tomorrow. Awesome. Love it. Seth or not Seth. Shoot. I was looking at Seth. Bryce, go ahead. Take it away, brother. Yeah. So immediately with this quote, I called a spade a spade and I was like, well, this makes a lot of sense because if I'm going to go buy a sports car, like a Corvette or Mm. Dodge Challenger or something like that. I'm not going to be driving the speed limit all over every time. <laughs> we do or not if, advocate breaking the remember, law. Remember how we ended the last podcast, Bryce? <laughs> well, no, I'm just, I'm just saying too. Like, if I'm going to go buy a sports bike, like a CBR, you know, those bikes that can go over 200 miles an hour, I'm not going to be driving. When he's that on 15 private miles. roads, when I'm on, yes, on a track. We'll say I'm on a wearing track. a helmet. Yeah, he's going to drive very, very fast. <laughs> But wait, wait for this application. Okay, okay. okay. Wait. The application. The re- the reason I say that is because those those cars, those vehicles, they're not made to go that slow. They're made to go fast. Sure. They're equipped to go fast. And we as Christians, we are equipped to go out there. And I think this relates to our chapter for this reading too because we are equipped to go through struggles and we're equipped to go through hardships we're equipped to let our light shine as seth was saying and we need to do that we need to use ourselves as if we're the vehicle the vessel of god's word to its full ability i just want to call you ricky bobby for the rest of the podcast that's fine (laughs) bryce wants to go fast (laughs) i'm actually really impressed by that that was a that was a great application i wanted to make fun of you i did too i'm glad i bit my tongue because it was actually great good job i love it i love it yeah so i mean the the literal you know meaning of the words are obvious right um and the metaphors are also pretty obvious i I love. I don't really have anything to add to this conversation. I I love all the different directions that we went. I think we probably should lean even harder on the gospel application that Seth brought in. Um, the idea that my well to combine Bryce's and Seth's together, my Savior bought me for a great price. Hmm. And what did He buy me for? That I might walk with Him forever. 
And that walk has already started now. Ought not I do that for which I've been bought, that for which I've been redeemed, which is walk with my Savior? And that actually ties really well in with what Connor said too, because what does my walk look like? It means going out and doing the things, girding my loins, if you will, girding mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Yeah. That's the name of the podcast. Gird up. Oh, yeah, oh. gird I see up. what yeah. you did there. Yep. <laughs> and then smart. going out and doing, doing, doing the grind, right? Yeah. Going out and doing the things to which I've been called. I love it, fellas. This is fun. Good I job. Like this. Yeah. You guys are cool. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, we got to unlock my iPad, apparently. There we go. This week, well, so recently we've been reading, during this season, we've been reading Philip Carey's book, Good News for Anxious Christians. This week we read chapter 8, which is called Why You Don't Have to Be Joyful All the Time. I appreciated this one because I am not joyful all the time. It's actually kind of been a little bit of a struggle for me. Why am I not happier than I am? Why am I not more joyful than I am? So on and so forth. And uh, he spent about half the chapter talking about Job. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I hesitate to compare myself to Job because I have not not even a fraction of what Job went through. Um, so I got, one of, a, a friend of mine went through leukemia a couple of years ago, and he said um, one of the most helpful things that happened were, was that when they were trying to figure out exactly what was wrong with them, they were pretty sure it was leukemia. They weren't sure. They're running tests. And since they don't know for sure what it is, they can't treat them yet. And so he's basically lying in his deathbed, which may or might not actually be his deathbed. And he's got three young boys at the time and a wife and um, wondering whether or not the Lord's going to take him home. And he said one of the best things... Like looking back, one of the best things for his faith long term, but even one of the best things in that moment was the nurses were busy and there weren't a lot of people around, and he's stuck in ICU alone with a Bible and opens up to the book of Job and read through the book of Job and prayed through the book of Job and just how much the book of Job helped him deal with what he was going through in the moment. I don't pretend to understand what that is like, but. I do relate to what Job says and what Philip Carey's application was in a lot of it um, and the idea that the righteous suffer and bearing my cross is not a joke that gets told in Scripture. Jesus wasn't kidding. He wasn't making a cool little play on words. And he wasn't talking about just generic, you know, suffering and just stuff that happens. He's talking a very, about a very real and present reality that, that's redundant, real and real reality. <laughs> but he's not messing around when he says that Christian life is going to be full of pain and sorrow. And I couldn't, also couldn't help but harken back to a sermon that I've talked about about a dozen times, um, which is Pastor Dave Scharf, Professor Dave Scharf, Talking about the idea that the most dangerous prayer from a human perspective, but the probably the most important prayer that a man can pray. Oh, oh donuts. That's donuts. Let's go. <laughs> that's definitely donuts. Um, I had my sound off. <laughs> Bryce owes everyone that listens to this podcast a donut. <laughs> so you can reach out to Bryce at his email. <laughs> anyway. Um, the idea that the most difficult prayer for a Christian to pray, the most important prayer for a Christian to pray, is, Lord, do what you must to bring me home. And that's not exactly the Joel, the Joel. That's not exactly the Job story. It's not exactly my story. But 
it does lend itself to the conversation about joy and what realistic expectations of joy as a Christian should look like. So obviously now I've monologued. I'm going to turn it over to you guys. The first question kind of has to be, uh, well, let me back up. We all know exactly what he's talking about, that idea of the joyful Christian. Mm -hmm. Christians obviously should be joyful, but we shouldn't be under pressure to be joyful all the time. So what is it that makes Christians think they should be joyful all the time? What do you think? Well, I just think it's, I think he, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a part of it I got from the book was, oh, like Christians, they have, they have Jesus and God and they're just, they're just really happy all the time because they got everything going for them. And because they have Jesus, like nothing can go wrong and their entire life is sunshine and rainbows, essentially from an outside view. That's what it looks like. Now, do outsiders actually think that? I th- he does talk about that social pressure to be joyful all the time because you look through other people going through joy and then these Christians are saying, oh, I, I, I got to be joyful too, even though they're truly not. And that's kind of what I'm asking. Is, does that pressure come from outside the church or does that pressure come from inside the church? I know that's a leading question. <laughs> yeah. What I, do you think? I think it's both. You think it's both? You, can, you get that pressure from everywhere because... Even within the church, you can look at the other members or your friends or family, and you can say, oh, "Okay, they're they're doing really well. I I'm doing I I guess I'm re- doing really well too, even though they may not be, because you want to build yourself up to other people's level and sort of put on that act of I'm doing really well." Yeah. So like the more negative side of that social pressure of everybody else looks like they're doing well. If I'm not doing well, there must be something wrong with me, right? Correct. Connor, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, I just think that. Uh... I kind of agree with what Bryce was saying. It does come from without and from within the church. And I think part of that is a Christian who is living a life that does reflect the joy we have in our salvation may appear to a lot of people. And it's a great gospel. It's a great evangelism opportunity for people when people can look at you and say, you seem to be happy all the time. Like, I don't understand why you are. And that that may be true, but... That doesn't mean that Christians aren't going to suffer. I mean, there's oftentimes Christians from inside the church appear to suffer more often than those outside the church. And uh, and I think one of the reasons that we do appear so joyful is because as Christians, we have an invitation, a stamped, sealed invitation to the banquet that awaits us. And while our time on earth may be difficult and may involve a great deal of cross-bearing at varying levels throughout each individual Christian, we're confident that this is a temporary time of suffering that we're experiencing right now. And we're going to come back to that for Mm -hmm, sure. mm -hmm. Um, here's, Here's another question I think that we need to answer first is, let me think. We'll start with a statement. I think it's good advertising, right, generally, for Christians to be happy, right? Um, but is that an appropriate reflection? I think you already answered this to some degree. Is that really an appropriate reflection of what's actively going on inside the church or what you should expect coming into the church from the outside, right? Like, it's, it's, it's good salesmanship, it's good advertising for Christians to just be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. 
is that the reality of the Christian experience? Connor, you kind of said no. Seth, what do you think? Well, <clears throat> the funny thing is uh, my text study that I've been going through right now for homiletics is Matthew 16, where it talks about how in order to follow Christ, we're going to have to bear crosses. And he already just states that you're going to face problems because of him and struggles. And I think that we we will face those and we don't want to seem fake that we are facing these struggles in front of people, but we got to show them the hope that we have, like the joy that we find in these struggles. Like it's not bad to be sad and everything like that. Jesus himself wept, but it's also to show what joy you can find in the struggles. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to all that in just a second. Before we do that, um, it's a great answer. I'm not diminishing. No, that. no, no, no. That's, that's a great answer. Um, the the one thing I think we need to adjust before we move on is the passage that Philip Carey pointed out in Philippians four, where it says, "Rejoice in the Lord always." You guys remember his commentary on that at all? Rejoice in the Lord always. Is <laughs> is the is that? You know what? I'm not going to try and ask that question. When in Philippians four, when Paul tells Christians to rejoice in the world always. It is, oh, yeah. in yeah, Greek, yeah. it's what we call a collective imperative. Mm-hmm. So it's plural. He's referring to all Christians, the Christian church at large, mm-hmm. the ecclesia, the, the Catholic church, whatever word you want to use, right? The Christian church at large, the invisible church, ought to be rejoicing in the Lord always. That is a far different imperative than to say to the individual Christian, you personally, Seth, must rejoice always, no matter what. Uh, can we talk a little bit about the difference between rejoicing always as the church versus rejoicing always as an individual? Yeah, sure. So I think as as the church, again, like I said before, we have we have the assurance of heaven. There's no doubt in our mind because of the because of the life that Christ led for us and the sacrifice that He paid for us. But also, that doesn't mean on an individual level that we won't suffer. Another passage that he quotes in there is Romans 12, verse 15. And to paraphrase what it says there, it basically says, Rejoice with the ones that are rejoicing. So when Christians around us are experiencing the true blessings that God showers upon us every single day, and sometimes abundantly more than we deserve, then it's 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 great. We do rejoice with those people. But the other half of that passage also says, paraphrasing again, to weep with those that are weeping. And there's nothing wrong with experiencing hardships in life and mourning the fact that you are going. You don't want to get bogged down in this idea that kind of like, I don't want to get too far because I know you said in a second that that second's coming up here in a minute. But um, but just as Job was sitting in in the ashes, just distraught and mourning the life that he had lost, and his friends sat down and mourned with him in a very non-verbal way and so it's okay for christians to experience those hardships and then just be at a loss for words or be at a loss for actions on what to do next awesome we i went to a bible study earlier in the night here and we talked about sort of that how you struggle on your own as opposed to like laying those struggles on other friends family people in the church and a big part of it was when you're by, a di- I think the difference comes when you're by yourself, you are struggling against maybe it's temptations from the devil. I, I guess that, that you're struggling with temptations from the devil, whether to um, go against God in any and every way. 
But when you come together with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you guys together, wherever two or three gather together, there Jesus is with him. And you guys all together are rejoicing in the fact that Jesus came and you guys are rejoicing in the gospel message. And that's why in in a church setting, you rejoice in the Lord always, as opposed to in an individual setting, you might not be rejoicing because you yourself are struggling. Yeah. So Job wasn't wrong to not be rejoicing when his entire family died. All of his flocks and herds also died, and then he struck down with a, an affliction of basically a, a, a rotting skin disease, right? But the job of the church, the role of the church in all of that is to continue rejoicing and even rejoice in the, the loss, recognizing that, you know, in the loss, one, our loved ones are now in heaven, and two, we look forward to the resurrection. Um, yeah, I love it. I love the conversation, too. I was, I kind of jotted down a couple of different reasons why life is hard, right? Um, long list, huh? <laughs> well, actually, I don't think it is that long of a list. I think it's a pretty simple, I think it's a pretty simple list if you go general enough. Right? So I picked Same. out I picked out three I picked out three different things. So we we've talked about cross bearing, right? I think it's also important to recognize, and Seth, you probably um, talk about this in your in your text study too a little bit, is that a cross is not just any general hardship, right? Yeah. What what is a cross? A cross is suffering as a Christian because of Christ. Yeah, suffering because of my Christian faith. Yep. So if you have bunions, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was rushing something and said, I'm so sorry you saw that. <laughs> sorry, secret message is being passed. Back on track. <laughs> okay, yeah, back on track. So, um, yeah, if you've got bunions or um, even like physical illness, things like that, those are not because of your Christian faith. Um, and so they aren't the cross that Jesus is talking about picking up and bearing for him. Um, doesn't make it any more... It doesn't make it any easier when those crosses actually come, no. And it's not to dismiss that we do go through really hard things. Uh, but those hard things come for a couple of different reasons. Sometimes, um, and frankly, most of the reason why we suffer is because of the consequences of our own sin, right? Mm-hmm. Like most of our suffering is self-imposed. Uh, most of the reasons why my life stinks is because I did something dumb and now I bear the consequences. Outside of that, frankly, there's just a lot of undeserved hardship. And that's kind of the... The stuff that the world seems to struggle with quite a bit too. This idea of how can God let good, you know bad things happen to good people, or sure, yeah. how can all this evil exist in the world? There are wider consequences of sin that might not be dictated by my own behavior, or even by the behavior of somebody immediately around me. It doesn't change the fact that they do exist and that they're very, very hard and sometimes hard to bear. Um, so you've got these three different areas where there's hardship, and yet we continue to rejoice in all of it. Now, Connor. Yeah. You have alluded to several times that there is, excuse me. You're fine. You've alluded several times to the idea that there is a greater joy that is kind of with us all the time. Sure. Go ahead and preach, brother. Yeah, I mean, just the assurance that we have, uh, like I said before, with, with, the, with the life that Christ led, and then, again, with the death that, that he suffered, and then his, his true resurrection, and, and the fact that in his resurrection... We have the assurance of heaven, and it, the scriptures describe it as a wedding banquet that we all get to participate in. And I think there was a, a chapel service earlier uh, this week where they basically said, who doesn't want to go to a party? Who doesn't want to be a part of that uh, celebration? And that's something we get to look forward to when we do 
end our time of grace here on the earth. Uh, but one of the quotes from the book that really struck me was the author says, this life is not a rehearsal for the banquet that awaits us in heaven. So just because in heaven there's going to be no sadness, every tear is going to be wiped away from every eye, it's going to be continual happiness because we do get to spend eternity with Christ and with God, that does not mean that our time here on earth is going to be all sunshine and rainbows. It, it is going to incur some some hardship, and it's going to be personal for every single person, for every single Christian. But as a church body, as the, you know, the body of Christ, we get to celebrate together that death has been defeated on the cross and heaven awaits us because of the resurrection. Awesome. Anything to add on that? And I just think Seth. something that's super cool that helps me during those times and thinking about struggles is Romans 8, where he just says, all the sufferings you face are not worth comparing yeah. to the glory Great you'll passage. have. Great passage. And so the worst struggle that you'll ever face on this earth, it, it doesn't even come close to the glory that you'll have in heaven. It will just be so great, so much better mm -hmm. than any pain or suffering you have. And that's just such an encouragement when you're going through a problem or a struggle in life. It's just, I got something to look forward to, heaven where there is no struggle. It's all peace. So Yeah. Okay, this is probably not a great analogy, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Right. I couldn't help but think of like Christmas gifts or birthday presents Right when I was reading about this. Part of the reason why kids, maybe not adults, but well, maybe adults too. I don't know. <laughs> One of the reasons why Christmas and birthdays are so exciting is the gifts, right? But what happens when we unwrap gifts and presents like in a couple of days or weeks before Christmas or before my birthday? What ends up happening to your birthday? It's less special. It's less special. It's less yeah. exciting because we've been spreading that joy around. Now, I'm not saying that... Here's where the analogy falls apart. God isn't intentionally withholding joy from us right. until the last day. That's, that's not what's going on at all. But I think it does paint a kind of cool picture of the rejoicing that we are doing. You're still excited about the fact that you're... You, it's not like the day of your birthday, then you finally get excited. When you're a little kid, you're asking like six months ahead of time, how long is it until my birthday? It's almost <laughs> yeah. my birthday. It's my birthday yeah. month. And you keep getting excited about it. And that's the way we look forward to heaven. And we don't expect that the gifts come a week ahead of time or a year ahead of time or 50 years ahead of time. We understand that the reward comes at the end of my life. And when that day comes, I will be rewarded. And I look forward to that day with joy. Maybe you could continue that analogy and say it's kind of like, if you have parents that give you a Christmas gift on Christmas Eve and they hand you some, just one present from your, from under the tree. And so our time here on earth is like Christmas Eve. We're, it's, it's right before the real day of celebration is coming. And so the daily bread that we receive, every gift, you know, the food that we receive in our mouths, the clothing on our back, the air that we breathe, and all the other plethora of different gifts that we receive that keep us happy here on this earth are like that one gift we get before the real day of celebration arrives. Awesome. One more thing before we move on. Oh, I got one more too, so go ahead. Oh, you go first, because I'm well, going to change the subject a little bit. Well, one of the things I was thinking about when he was talking about Job was the author points to Job's friends. And from the standpoint of somebody who wants to comfort a Christian brother or sister that is suffering, like how do we do that in a way? And one of the things he says is it's a terrible mistake to think 
that we are supposed to do something about everything. And I think that's kind of the old trope of uh, the difference between guys and girls in a relationship where a girl is having an issue with something and a guy's immediate reaction is, well, obviously you just need to drink more water. Like that's, <laughs> like that's, like that's why you have a headache. Let me solve this for you. And I think we approach suffering. Sometimes we approach people suffering like that as Christians with full intention of doing something good. But the best thing we can do is just to be there, just to be in the presence of somebody who is going through a rough patch, just to, to let your presence be known. Sometimes that's the best thing we can do. So that actually ties really well into where I think we need to go last and that's address the current kind of elephant in the room, if you will. I don't even know if it technically is the elephant in the room. I don't know how that's I'm defined, it. right? <laughs> that's a self-burn. Self-burn by the counter over there. All right. Uh, but depression, right? Depression is a massive issue in our culture at the moment. Mm. And we can have conversations about what is and isn't depression or why it's happening the reality is that the people in our lives are struggling with it, right? Um, I've been blessed that personally, I haven't had big struggles with it. Certainly, I've had issues with some anxiety and things like that. Um, but depression really hasn't been an issue for me, and thank God for it. I have loved some, and currently do, I still do love some people who have really struggled with it. Um, and <laughs> frankly, I wish I'd read this chapter before <laughs> approaching some of those situations yeah. like i wish i could go back and relive a few of those moments yeah but i think we do need to have some conversation about that now we're none of us are experts on mental health or anything like that um but we should address the idea that it is possible to be a christian who's sure of their salvation and also be depressed why and how and how do we deal with it it's a loaded question <laughs> a simple answer would just be sin and that's kind of bodily functions work in a way that we w we wouldn't want in in the sense of chemicals in your brain yeah. like it, they can't control that. it that's just because of sin and the chemicals in your body causes depression and you you can't really control that and sometimes this just shows you that you do not have control and a big thing I've seen for people that are, are depressed, that they want control over their depression. But this is, at least for those Christians I've talked to, it's a good sign to show that, hey, you're not the one in control. God is the one that's ultimately in control, especially in this sin-filled world. It's You're not going to control everything there is because you're also a sinful human being. And that's where you just ease up on your grasp on everything and you say hey god you're the one that's gonna be in control of what's going through my life right now yeah and to take team connor's last point onto this also um is sometimes there are some things that we can do in order to mediate or even prevent these kinds of mental health issues right that does not mean that your approach to someone struggling with these things is not going to be empathetic either right right it still is very much a spiritual issue and it still is very much something that's a real reality for them. <laughs> I did it again. A real reality for them. I'm just going to lean into it now. Um, and while you might be right, that does not excuse the equal and opposite reaction of not being empathetic and yourself sinning. Right. Yeah, and I think, uh, yeah, again, just to 
to strengthen my point a little bit again just just being present being in people's lives is a huge being present and being in people's lives is a huge part of our calling as christians because we're not salespeople trying to convince people that we've got the new sham wow that you need to go out and buy buy we are not sponsored um <laughs> but at the same time uh as christians i think and just as people like we need to be super vigilant especially in the modern era when it comes to depression because there's a lot of people struggling in ways that we can't begin to understand just a short little caveat i had a i took a couple of years of community college and there was a kid in my class who i i got to know just briefly and me and another girl we were just kind of chatting back and forth and we were relating about the struggles of life and how difficult it is sometimes and Got him to crack a couple of smiles here and there, and we became relatively good friends. Showed up in the next week, and he had committed suicide. And like you just you just don't see it in people sometimes. And sometimes what people are really looking for is just somebody to listen, somebody to sit down and actually listen and hear them. And so that's that's something as Christians that we can do willingly. In fact, God calls us to just be present in people's lives. Yeah, be present. The ministry of presence is a real thing, and we got to take it seriously. Um, sometimes, especially like Seth was talking about, once they have a chemical issue, um, the probably the worst thing you can do is give them a lecture about how mm. to not be depressed anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the best way to show empathy, the best way to love on people going through it, is simply to go through it with them. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't have to go be depressed yourself. Sit with them in it, let them deal with it, and be present for whatever they need. And that can be a cross to bear too. Just having to be near somebody that is suffering, but do it willingly and doing loving, doing it, doing it lovingly is the most important thing. I love it. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Good conversation too. Uh, of course, we will link the um, Amazon link for. We will put the Amazon link for the book down in the show notes below. This week it is Reformation Week, and so we're going to do a little Reformation theme trivia today. See how good. <laughs> oh, see no. how good you guys are at being. Being Lutherans. Oh, boy. You won't there hear me go. at there all. There we go. <laughs> we're, we're relying on the guest most there of the time. We this week. Yeah, we do rely on the guest quite a bit, so no pressure, Seth. Here we go. Question number one. Oh, by the way, we don't all have to agree, Seth, so you can you can dissent if you would like. Okay. Um, and frankly, if you guys all vote together, nobody really wins. So don't be afraid to, to dissent if necessary. That Bryce, go a different direction. Bryce certainly. Every single time. All right. <laughs> Bryce has no problem being the uh, being the dissenter. I'm the reigning so. champ. He <laughs> is the reigning champ. I think it's he one of one at this champ. point. But yep. Go on. Yeah, probably. Yeah, one. Of, oh, yeah. You did lose last. Yeah. No, he did came lose. Out even. Oh, he came yeah. Out, I think he came out even. It might have I, come out even. Yeah, because I got the last one. That's I, right. I think. Yep, yep, I'll have to All go right. Back well, here we go. See how Lutheran you guys really are. Question number one. Where was Martin Luther born? Oh, of course you asked. That. Was it A. Dresden? B. Berlin, C. Eisleben, or D. Wartburg. Dresden, Berlin, Eisleben, Wartburg. Where was Martin Luther born? You don't have to raise your hand. Eisleben. Eisleben. B. You agree? No, no. Oh, you said Berlin. Berlin. I want to say A. You can tell I'm from Wisconsin because I just said Berlin. (laughs) Berlin. I apologize. What did you say, Dresden? Yeah. Okay, Bryce Eisleben, mm-hmm. Connor Dresden, and you said Berlin, so uh, it is Eisleben. Good All job, right. Bryce. Good job. So Bryce is one, one for one. Everybody else is over. You guys better catch up. 
Here we go. That's the first question, question number two. Who was the Roman priest from Switzerland who stepped forward in 1518 mainly for the purpose of combating the sale of indulgences? Remember, he's from Switzerland. Here we go. Is it A, Desiderius Erasmus? I've never seen Erasmus's first name before. That's kind of awesome. I know. So <laughs> Is not it that B, guy. John Tetzel? C, Philip Melanchthon, or D, Ulrich Zwingli. Well, we usually call these guys by their last names. Can you repeat right? the question itself? All right. Uh, who was the Roman priest from Switzerland? So Roman church, right? Mm-hmm. Who was the Roman priest from Switzerland who stepped forward in 1518, so that's a year after Luther, mainly for the purpose of combating the sale of indulgences? Erasmus, Tetzel, Melanchthon, or Zwingli? I'll say Melanchthon. Zwingli. I want I want to say Zwingli too. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Yep. It is Ulrich Zwingli. No. Ulrich Zwingli. Yeah. Zwingli's a very, very Swiss name. Yeah. Okay. Number three. So right now Seth's Ofer. <laughs> one and one. I'll stay there. And uh Bryce is two and oh. Two and oh. Yeah. I'm going fast. Going fast. <laughs> Alright, we'll see how Ricky Bobby does on this one. Here we go. We got two left. <laughs> Of what monastic order was Martin Luther a part? Of what monastic order was Martin Luther a part? Was it A, Augustinian, B, Jesuit, C, Benedictine, or D, Dominican? Augustinian, Jesuit, Benedictine, and Dominican. Which one was Martin Luther? Benedictine. I was going to say C. I I was going to say that too. Everybody agrees on Benedictine? Yeah. You're all wrong. Oh. <laughs> was it Dominican? Augustinian. No, okay. Augustinian. Well, I would have been wrong twice. Yeah. I was just being a sheep. I was going to say that. <laughs> this is why you don't Should be a sheep. Should have held to it, man. You're over, man. <laughs> yeah. You haven't got one right yet. So oh, Bryce man. still leads with two. I'm one and two. Yeah, here we go. Connor, if you get this right and Bryce gets it wrong. It's a tie game. You can tie him. Seth. Too bad I'm going to say the same answer. <laughs> I'm going to say the same answer as Connor, so I just win. No matter what. All right. In the year 2000, this is pop. So the last one, Seth, is always pop culture. Okay. Christian pop culture. And by Christian pop culture, we mean within my life. Oh, year 2000. <laughs> Although, no, because the, the striper one was definitely the 80s. Yeah, that was the 80s. Yeah. Okay, anyway. In the year 2000... Nearly 10,000 Wells members from congregations in Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota, Iowa, and more gathered to celebrate the 150th anniversary of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod with a joint Reformation Festival service in the Fieldhouse at what university? Was it A, Concordia University, Chicago? B, University of Wisconsin at Madison? C, University of Minnesota, or D, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee? Connor, you were probably like, what, 15 to 20 when this happened? (laughs) I was there. 2000. I was there. Were you there? I was not there. I was like, in 2000, I was six years old. I went there. Well, I was was seven. I was there. Our math is not math in here. What year were you born? This isn't important. 1992, I was... I was a 94 eight. baby. I was eight. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so 2000, 10,000 Wells members, 150th anniversary service. Was it at Concordia, Chicago, University of Wisconsin, University of Minnesota, or UW-Milwaukee? Madison. 
B. I'm going to let you answer first. No, no, no. Go ahead, Bryce. All right. I'm going to say Concordia, Chicago. Ah, I was going to say Chicago, too, because it seems to be the most geographically appropriate. Is that your final answer? Yes. Yeah. Seth is correct. Yes. <laughs> We're on the board. Yeah. Fieldhouse at the University of Wisconsin. Really? Madison. That's interesting. Yeah, okay. it was so cool. It was the first time as a kid that I was at something like that size. Very, very, very cool. When are you guys at the uh, 500th uh, anniversary of the Reformation at the Baptist Theater? We sang there for oh, high school. You guys, that's yeah. right. You guys did. Yeah, that was very cool Lovely. as well. Filled up the Pabst Theater in Milwaukee, which is an iconic and beautiful location. Not quite as big as the Fieldhouse, but I was probably, I would guess probably five or 6,000 people there. Wow. Yeah. It was big. It was, it was, big it was pretty full in yeah. there, too. All right. Very cool. Uh, so Bryce wins that one, huh? Yep. So Bryce remains the champion. I need a trophy or something. Yeah, we got to get you a trophy. Yeah, we'll we find do. you something. We'll find, we'll you, find yeah. you something appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something appropriate. All right. Okay. And Seth, you got on the board. So we're proud, of you. Hey, we're proud of you. Yeah, we're proud of you, Seth. All right. Top three this week. Top three Christian themed Halloween costumes. I'm excited about this. <laughs> Who wants to start? Top three Christian themed Halloween costumes. I can go. Um, right. I guess my first one, uh, I'll start with number three. Is a Roman centurion. Okay. <laughs> nice. Just I because like yeah, they're yeah. sweet. Yeah, that's about it. Sweet, it's a word for it. But yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, there's a there's a living nativity in lacrosse at the rotary lights every year that the Wells Church has put on. And I was always a shepherd because I was a kid and I really, 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 really wanted to be a Roman soldier. But the rule was you had to be able to grow whiskers to be a Roman soldier. Um, and so I don't know if that was a real rule, but that's what I was told as a kid. Right. And so, um, we moved when I was in eighth grade and I didn't have real whiskers yet. So I wasn't allowed to be a Roman soldier. And, um, I've always wanted to go back just like for one night and do the living nativity and dress up like a Roman soldier just to fulfill my childhood dream. (laughs) So I wholeheartedly get the idea of wanting to dress up like a centurion. I have one that's mildly controversial. All right. And might get us in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> but uh, so contextually, why I thought this one. So it's very popular for people to dress like the devil during uh, Halloween. <laughs> during Halloween. <laughs> but as a Christian, I feel like that's super wrong. So I was thinking maybe Joel Olstein. Hey, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but put the de- dress up like Joel Olstein and yeah. put devil horns on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. If if Jesus can call Peter Satan, ah, we fair. can call Joel Olstein Satan. Joel Olstein Satan. I like that. A little bit yeah. different context yeah, a little there. Bit. But... A little different context. Same. A little bit more authority. <laughs> it's still demonic. Yeah. I mean, it's still demonic. <laughs> Are you familiar okay. with Joel Olstein's preaching? Yes. It's downright demonic. Are you if you believe what Joel Osteen preaches, you're not going to heaven. There's no other definition for it than demonic. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Yeah. You right. heard it here first. <laughs> All right. I, 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 we can talk about it later. I just didn't like the uh, when you compared it to Peter. That was just oh, like a like wrong, well, wrong contextually, I think. Okay. But anyway. Fair enough. We can talk about Fair that enough. later. Yeah. All right, Seth, what you got? Uh, I have parents with a little kid as the Holy Spirit. You know, separation of the Holy Spirit. Wait, what? Say that again from the <laughs> so, top. So holy. <laughs> what? 
say that again. You're saying as if we should all understand. You don't understand this, like the separation of the Holy Spirit. I get what you're saying. Like keep room for the Holy Spirit. Oh, 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 okay, okay. It's not your normal. Clearly, they didn't keep room for the Holy Spirit. That's why they have a child. No, 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 no. Now they have the Holy Spirit. Where babies come from? Yeah, I know where they come from, but now they have the Holy Spirit. You got a fiance. You better figure it out. Sorry, that was definitely inappropriate. Yeah, that hurt. That hurt. Okay. okay. <laughs> you said it like it was the most Seth. obvious thing in the world. I, I like it. Bryce, like Bryce it. has me on this. No, so I like it. Yeah. yeah. So they're just like dangling the baby between them? All yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Yeah, all yeah. right, yeah. All right. Okay. The joke's um, funnier when you have to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, my, mine kind of goes with Connor's a little bit, but not really. Mm-hmm. I was thinking one of the demon pigs from Matthew 8. Ooh, okay. Yeah, where Jesus cast the pigs out of um, Legion. Yep. And uh, into the three, into the, into the, I think it's three hundred pigs. Three thousand. I thought it was thousand. Oh, yeah. it might be. I don't remember. Three thousand pigs, and they all run down a cliff into the. So you could be a demon pig, or you could get all your buddies to also be demon pigs and just run, run around. Yeah, <laughs> right off a cliff. All right, uh, <laughs> Bryce. Um, my number two is Lazarus. Figure you could just oh, wrap yourself cool. in toilet paper and say. So it's basically a zombie. Was that, one of, your, was that one of yours? Yeah, that was one of mine. All right, think of another one real quick. <laughs> yeah, so pretty easy. That's that's about yeah. it. Yeah. I like it. Uh, my number two is one of the characters from Veggie Tales. Ooh. It's like, oh, it's like Bob. What, what's Bob's superhero? You or no, could, the cucumber. You and I could be Bob and Larry. That would be so. <laughs> that would be awesome. funny. I get to be. I get to be the cucumber though, because I don't need that insult. What? In my no, life. I'm taller than you. You're okay. rounder. If than you're me. gonna be yeah, Bob, you got the, the tomato beard. though. You just gotta go shirtless and get red body paint. <laughs> See, that's, that's why I don't I'm need. Saying. I don't need the insult. You, you got the red Bob. hair. No, no, no. Both <laughs> of us just go shirtless and paint the faces on our bodies. Well, you're the tomato. I'm the cucumber. But if you're the tomato, you don't even have to shave your body because it's already red. But my body. Body hair is not. First of all, it's not, not a Second of all, my body hair is not red. <laughs> Seth. Anyway, <laughs> can you tell we all live together? <laughs> uh, my second one is Zacchaeus. The reason being is our professor went on a rant of how his kids want to play as Zacchaeus when they go through the story, and one's just running around, crouched down, and I could just see a bunch of kids running around like Zacchaeus, crouched down. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then somebody could be a sycamore tree, no. and you could walk around together. I sure, like it. yeah, yeah. Turn it into like a full family costume. All right. <laughs> With uh, the Holy Spirit in the middle. Bryce, <laughs> you give us the second one? You I did. Explain you're, again. You're a second. My second one was Lazarus. Lazarus. Yeah. Okay, yeah, my... Oh, yeah, I haven't given my... <laughs> okay, my second one is Eutychus. Oh, oh yeah. 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 That is an old joke. <laughs> it is a misunderstanding. Okay, so we'll let, we'll, let, we'll let Connor explain in just a second. But Eutychus is the kid when uh, in the book of Acts where Paul's preaching, and he preaches all night long, and there's a, there's a young man who falls asleep in the windowsill and then falls to his death, and then Paul raises him back to life. So you could literally just dress up like a... Like a Roman or like a you know robes like dress up like you're from Jesus Day and just take a pillow with you everywhere you go Not and bad. keep falling asleep and you could be Eutychus. Um, Connor, you got to explain the joke now though. Okay, so in in I think it was in Corinthians. Yeah, we, we went when we were in Corinthians last year with Professor Frederick. Uh, he asked the question, "What does Eutychus's name mean?" And I had prepared this question in advance. But when I read it, it must have been late at night. I have terrible eyesight and don't read well. 
What his name means literally is well fated. F A T E D. I read it as well fatted. And Professor Frederick said, I'm sorry. And so I doubled down, of course. And I said, fat. You know, he was like a chubby guy. <laughs> It was so good. Oh, I've got roasted so many times on that, and I appreciate it because yeah. And he he chuckled, and I know I've made it into one of his yearly stories that he will tell every single to every single class. Hey, you're a legend. You're a legend <laughs> yeah. now. You're a legend. At least you'll never forget what his name. No, I'll never forget. And every time I bring it up in a sermon, it'll be hard not to use that. Awesome. All right, number three. What do we got? Uh, so my, my main choice was the Apostle Matthew, because I figured I could walk around with like a tax jar or something and maybe get a couple bucks off of people and maybe walk out of there 20, 30 bucks richer. We'll see. Nice. Yeah. Mine was a toss up between either Martin Luther, because I felt like that was the obvious one, or as St. Bartholomew, because Bartholomew, according to church legend, was skinned alive, and that was how he was martyred. Mm-hmm. Gross. <laughs> 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 yeah, now I'm thinking about getting skinned alive. Seth, you better yeah, talk. I, I wouldn't recommend the Martin Luther one. I had that haircut and it wasn't a good look. So I remember that. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we need pictures. Um, no, we're good. That's okay. <laughs> What's your third uh, one? Uh, my third one, because uh, Bryce already took my second one. <laughs> I'm looking at it. The boy's archangel costume. It looks pretty cool. He has a sword, <laughs> a shield. Wings and uh, some body armor, so nice. it looks like a cool costume. All right. Cool. Awesome. My third one was Samson. I love Samson. Yeah. Samson's like one of the coolest dudes in the Bible. Um, I know that we only get like a snapshot of, of his life, and they're generally negative stories, but Samson legitimately led Israel well for like 20 years, and the stories about Samson are awesome, right? So I figure you can just put on a wig, braid your wig, right, and then... You've got all kinds of different prop options, so you could carry around an entire city gate. You could carry around a lion that's been torn to shreds. You could carry around a donkey's jawbone, or you could just walk around with a beautiful woman on your arm who's then always tempting yeah. all the time. Right? Yeah. So any of those three. All right. Now, I'm going to call a little bit of an audible here. You guys ready for this? Couples costume ideas. I already come up, came up with one. So. All right, we got to come up with another one, right? <laughs> I'm going to tell you mine. By the time I'm done telling you mine, you got to tell me your best idea for a ho- Christian-themed Halloween couple's costume. All right. Here we go. Mine would be Elisha and a bear, right? So you could just be a bald guy. It would be funnier if you weren't. See, it wouldn't be as funny for me because I'm actually bald. Um, but if you found if you weren't a bald guy, you could shave your head to be bald, right? And then the girl could dress up as a bear, and you could, you know, Elisha and the bear. Because... I mean, we all know the story, right? Mm-hmm. Elisha gets made fun of by the young guys and the bears attack him. Yeah, I think that'd be a great costume. Connor, what do you think? Um, well, Bryce whispered in my ear, Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> or Adam and Eve, I feel like, would be the other one. Ooh. Yep. Yeah, I, for ours, never mind. <laughs> what would an Adam and Eve costume look like from like a practical perspective? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that would be hard to do. Now that I think about it, I'm going to stick with Ananias and Sapphira. All right. Cool. What you got, Seth? <clears throat> well, 
my mind keeps going back to the Apostle Paul for those single guys that want to be in a relationship. <laughs> but uh, for a couple's one, you could do, you know how in movies there's the good angel and the, the demon on the other. You mm-hmm. do that. One's the angel and the other's the demon. Okay. Kind of going with the Bible. Not really, but yeah. All right. Well, that's a thing. Sweet. All right, I dig it. All right, finish it off here tonight. We are taking our reading from Pentecost 21. So week 21 of the season of Pentecost comes from Daniel 6, verses 10 through 12, and then 16 through 23. So it's a little bit of a longer reading. Bear with us. You should be pretty familiar with the story, though. It's the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Um, Why don't we split this up, actually, guys? You guys mind doing that? Sure. Split it up. Sure. We can all read. All right. Um, I'll read through verse 12, and then Connor, you can pick up after that, and then Seth, pick up at 21. Is that cool? Yep. All right, here we go. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his god then they came near and said to the uh and said before the king concerning the injunction oh king did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except you O king shall be cast into the den of lions the king answered and said the thing stands fast according to the law of the medes and persians which cannot be revoked and then beginning at verse 16 then the, then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the lion's den. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at daybreak the king arose and went to haste to the lion's den. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tongue of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. Awesome. The story of Daniel in the lion's den. Mm. All right. First thing that stuck out to me in the portion that I read, at least, uh, was the idea that Daniel literally just went back and did exactly what he'd been doing before. Mm-hmm. So he's been commanded by the most powerful man in the world not to pray to his God. And what does he do? He goes right back. He goes right back home. The windows are still open. Everybody on the street can see him. He gets down on his knees and he prays to his God just like he had been doing before. It doesn't matter what the emperor says. God is greater. I'm going to serve my God. I don't know if I would have had the guts to do that. Yeah, that'd be right. I, I hope I would, but I can't say for sure I would. Um, you know, help me overcome my unbelief. I want to be like that. I would love to be that bold. Yeah, and I think 
from the section that I read especially, it's not like the king wanted this to happen. I mean, the king was misled. And um, from the context of the rest of, of the story of Daniel, you understand that the king was misled by his advisors. And so you can tell from my section that this is something that's difficult for him to deal with. Sorry, we're posing for a picture here awkwardly. <laughs> but uh, the king is, is, is suffering because of this because he does respect Daniel for having the grit to still you know, worship his God willingly. What about you, Seth? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, uh, I think this just goes back to what we were talking about before with struggles. You're going to bear crosses, mm. the, the struggles you face because you're a Christian. That's and, a great application. Uh, Daniel is facing uh, his crosses because he's showing his love for his Savior by continuing to serve him and not man. And that's just one of the things we're going to have to face, which uh, Jesus tells us over and over again that we're going to have to face uh, struggles uh, in his name so and none of us are gonna have to face lions probably yeah, probably yeah, hopefully not i mean for the early <laughs> christians it was a reality that they might actually have to face the lions right mm-hmm. um but it's not very likely that any of us are going to get tossed into a lion's den anytime soon right and so who am i to complain <laughs> about the situations that i face uh that's what I, that, that's kind of what i was thinking as i was reading it was and now, now granted i was kind of grumpy when i was reading it but still <laughs> Who am I to complain about my situation and the little petty things that I have to go through? I didn't get thrown in a lion's den. I certainly didn't get nailed to a cross. You know, how how great is my struggle in comparison to the things God has asked other people to go through? And even more than that, I mean, think about how easy it is for us to appear to be living our lives and bearing our crosses in a comfortable manner. But then we can, like if you're at work or something, your boss asks you to do an extra task. How easy it is to do the task and appear to have the smile on your face. Then you go home and sit there and complain to your wife or to your friends and say, you know, so and so, this guy, rah rah rah. But the first thing Daniel says when the king rolls away the tomb, rolls away the tomb, rolls away the stone, is, "Oh king, live forever." Well, he's not even mad at the guy for what happened to him. He's just, he is just a model. Yeah, imagine paying that kind of respect to the guy that just tried to kill you. Yeah, I mean, he didn't want to kill him. But he did throw in a ton of lions. Yeah, he'd be like, "Hey, don't worry about it, homie." I mean, his <laughs> his seals on the on the rock, so yeah. it's literally the seal of approval. Yeah, and I know Seth, you kind of touched on this, but let's just admire the faith of Daniel, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, whether or not we don't we don't really know if Daniel knows that God's going to save him or not. And I hadn't really thought about that either. God doesn't give. We're not told that God goes. Don't worry about it, Daniel. I got you. Yeah. Daniel very well might be going to his death, and he's perfectly willing to do so. Um, and the Lord happens to save him, right? And because of it, Israel is treated a whole lot better. But that's kind of besides the point. Daniel has no idea that's going to happen, and yet he willingly, faithfully, humbly goes to the lions. I mean, he's the epitome of living out that end of your normal prayer, your will be done. I mean, Daniel just said, doesn't matter, your will be done. Seth, would this qualify as a cross? I would say so. Yeah, I just talked <laughs> yeah. about Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I appreciate it. Seth, is there anywhere online we can find you? Uh, I'm not on a lot of social media, but Instagram's the main one I'm on. So. Okay, what's your handle? Uh, Seth Hackbarth. So, nice. Seth nothing Hackbarth. too crazy. 
Awesome. So uh, send me a link to that, and we'll get you down in the show notes below. Connor? Uh, Connor.Herder at Instagram, and then I am also on Facebook. Uh, MySpace coming soon. Awesome. Bryce Guzzi had to punch out early tonight, but he is Bruce Goose on Instagram. And as I said at the beginning of the show, my mom's now running my Instagram, but you can still find it at uh, girdup underscore B underscore A underscore man. And you can get in contact with me or, or my mom <laughs> right there. Or uh, you can reach out via the website. I have officially taken down the Gird Up Facebook page just because it wasn't getting used for anything and I didn't like having it inactive up there. But you can still find us on Instagram. You can find us on the website and all kinds of different ways to reach out to us from there. Thank you, gentlemen, for listening to the podcast. We love you all. We're keeping you in our prayers. Go be the man of God created you to be. And we will talk to you next week. On behalf of all those involved in producing, recording, editing, and distributing this episode, thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you'd like to contact us with comments, questions, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at any of the links in the description below or on our website. Please consider supporting the work of Gird Up Ministries by donating on Patreon, shopping at our online store, or making a $5 cup of coffee donation at www.girdupministries.com. Those donations help us make more great content just like this for young men just like you. Make sure you like, friend, follow, and subscribe to Gird Up and all of our guests on your social media platforms and consider leaving a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the Gird Up podcast so that others can find us and be blessed by our content too. As always, thanks for listening. Now go and be the man that God created you to be. We'll see you next time.